Let's make the same jokes we made last time. Are you ready to list it? <laughs> or love it? Or leave it? What is it? No, well, that was how we started the... That was like our banter at the beginning was, are you ready to oh. list it? Oh. Is your list... Is, it was something like, is your list solid or, or firm or whatever? And you're like, it's turgid. It is. Oh, yeah. I yeah. have a very turgid list, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, mine's pretty wobbly, actually. I don't know that it's very turgid <laughs> at all. I know that the top five are very turgid. The bottom five are like... <laughs> Okay, so you got like a chubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. It's real long on the end, but not towards the shaft. Gotcha. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's bizarre. Not towards the base of the list. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do okay. this. Yeah, all right. Hello, everybody! You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free! It'll be a free one, because today it's our 110th episode. We are going to revise our top 10 games of all time, which was a top 10 list that we did for our 10th episode 100 episodes ago. Uh, and so we've decided to, at the time, Jason, uh, I guess you do know this because we both went and re-listened to that that podcast recently to just sort of like refresh our memory. Uh, mm-hmm. We did say at the top of that podcast that the list could change, that, yes. you know, like our preferences are fluid things and that things come and go in terms of our preferences or in terms of, you know, like sometimes it's just like, you know, something that is more exciting to us now because it's newer or whatever or something we re- rediscovered maybe. Right, uh, yeah. And so we declared that back in 2018 when we made our first top 10 list and here we are. Three years later, ready to do our first revision of that list. Uh, and then, who knows, maybe we'll do another revision in uh, a year or two or three. Can you believe it's been almost three years? Has it been three years? Jesus, it's been over three no. years. We started this in March of 2018. Uh, I felt so that, much younger then. How did that happen? <laughs> we got old. Time passed and yeah, we became yeah. more decrepit. And, yeah. So anyway, next episode will be free because this is clearly going to go longer than 30 minutes. I think the last one was like, what, over an hour? Almost. It was like 50-something minutes. Yeah, okay. So, uh, buckle in, kids. Uh, this is going to be a long one. This is going to be great for the, the drive to Grandma's house or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, I want to run down our previous top tens, just so people can kind of like compare and contrast. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what we've thrown out and why. Uh, or at least, like, you know, I, I want to talk about that, that one thing we talked about. Uh, and then we'll go from there. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, so... Jason, do you want me to read it, your your top 10 from 2018, or do you want to do it yourself? Uh, I have it right here. All right, well, go ahead. Tell us from 10 to 1, what were your top 10 games in 2018? Your okay. top 10 games of all time as of 2018. <laughs> right, yes. Okay, so at the time, they were uh, Hero Quest, Ticket to Ride, Forbidden Desert, Hive, Agricola, Arkham Horror, Power Grid, Magic the Gathering, Cthulhu Wars, and War of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Good list. Uh, in 2018 uh, my favorite games of all time as of that time were Cthulhu Wars, Forbidden Desert Chess, Chess 1 Hero Quest Temple, uh, Twilight Imperium Temple Imperium, Twilight Imperium Imperium. 3rd Edition (laughs) Battlestar Galactica Pandemic Legacy Season 1 Spirit Island, and then my number one game of all time was Memoir 44 Yes, I remember that At the time we had put a few games on there that were incredibly old or like chess, like, you know, hero quest, right? Those games, they snuck onto the list because we were like, 
these were games that were formative games for us. These were games right. that yeah. kind of like explained where we're coming from. And, you know, I, I think in the case of chess, I still like playing it, but you know, like it, it isn't like the game that like when people come over, I'm like, are you dear? I'm dying to play chess with you. Let's get out the chessboard. You know, it's more <laughs> like, Hey, I got the new Kemet, you know? Um, <laughs> and so those games were there to kind of like give you a, a little bit of a litmus test as far as like, you know, our history and our preferences and maybe why we like the types of games that we like. Because if you know that Kyle likes chess, it makes a whole lot of sense that my first, you know, my number one game might be Memoir 44, a game that you're sitting across the table from one other person and then trying to, you know, like defeat them in some sort of, you know, a version of combat or something like that, right? Right. And then like HeroQuest obviously has informed a lot of our dungeon crawling preferences and 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 everything that that's a big genre with both of us so as well as miniatures and things like that so um and i decided that we didn't need that anymore we don't need the litmus test we don't need the historical games on the list anymore so let's just go with games that are our top 10 games right now the games that we're the most excited to play uh the games that maybe don't you know like they're still exciting to us. The, the idea of playing these games is still exciting or interesting and that we would still be willing to do, you know, like if anybody asked us today to show them these games. So this, that is our top 10 right now. It's the top 10 games of all time, meaning games that we are currently the most excited about, right? <laughs> Essentially, yes. I think that's what we're saying. Basically, yeah. Okay, all right. Jason, why don't you start us off with your number 10 game? Okay, so my number 10 game is one that was actually on my last list, although it's now at number 10 instead of number 7, uh, and that's Hive. Um, Hive is still, it's a pretty a fairly old game, but um, I still will play it any and every time somebody wants to play it. We, um, when we talked about it the first time, I had not played it, but we have played it now. We played it at, I believe, that Gen Con. At the airport. Followed. Yeah, we played it two games at the airport. Um, yeah. It's a good game. Yeah, it's good. It's um, it's a little like I mean, we talked about this last time, but it, it's a little like chess in that there are different types of pieces and they move in different ways and have different functions. Um, and the idea is basically to check uh the other player's queen b. Um, yeah, you like surround it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a little bit like that, but I think the uh the the mechanics and the movements are a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more strategy to it. Um. Uh, also in terms of like how, you know, in chess, you start with all your pieces on the board, um, in high view, add pieces to the board as you want to, um, or as you think you need. Um, so there's that you don't have to add the same pieces. You don't even have to use all the pieces if you want. Um, so, and I like that, that, that it's sort of malleable that way. It also doesn't take place on a board. The board is formed by the pieces themselves and it's constantly shifting and moving. It'd, it'd um, be a really good picnic game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, thematically and for <laughs> the practicality of it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those games that's really, uh, it looks really great. Um, it's pretty easy to teach somebody how to play, and there's a lot of depth to it, so you can play it, like, repeatedly. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I've thought about getting a copy several times since we played it at the airport, but I just keep wondering, who do I play this with? Because, you know... I don't yeah. have a lot of, unfortunately, one of my favorite types of games is a, a, you know, like one versus one competitive game. And, and I unfortunately don't have anybody at the moment who's readily available and excited to play something like that with me. So, right. Yeah. I keep trying to coax Milo into getting into some commands and colors games, but not yet. We did play Fireball Island though last night. So we're, <laughs> we're getting there. Baby nice. Steps. Yep. Okay. My 10th game of all time as of 2021. It feels really ridiculous to call this our top 10 of all time. <laughs> it's really our top 10 right now. Um, okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, is Root. Um, Root. Yeah, this kind of this like floated up to the top 
<laughs> the bottom half of my list is like mm, it, it's pretty fluid like you could probably swap the bottom five games on my list with probably another like 15 games below it uh root, root kind of like got up there because it, it does a lot of what i want out of board gaming you know it's got the asymmetry going on um it's a gorgeous looking game like i love putting it on the table and just looking at all the components uh and mechanically i think the asymmetry lends itself to a really interesting mechanical game like you know, the the way that all of those factions work very differently, but they're all trying to achieve the same goal of getting to 30 points. Um, and just the way that it is a war game, right? Like, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy a good war game. I think that's going to be real clear with my list that, you know, there's... I, well, when we get to the top, which, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, that that's the sort of thing that I enjoy. I enjoy games with conflict. I enjoy games with interesting mechanisms. And I think Root does all of that really well in a very beautiful package. We've talked about Root before. We've talked about Root a ton. And I don't feel like I need to defend it or anything. Everybody knows Root's good. So it's my 10th of, of all time right now. Yeah, Root's a, Root's a good game. Yeah, yeah. So your ninth game, Jason. Okay, so my ninth game is one that is new to my list. Um, and But it's still a pretty old game. Uh, it's for sale. Um, this is, it's a card. I don't think we've ever talked about it here. Um, but we've played it. I played but, it at your place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a card game basically where you sort of, there's an auction mechanic where you kind of bid to buy properties. And then the second round of the game, you sell those properties and try to make as much profit as you can in order to win. Um, it's sort of ludicrous. I mean, some of the, you know, the properties are like, I don't know, a manhole, <laughs> a shack a doghouse yeah, yeah. Uh, all the way up to like a space station or like you know some kind of grand palace or whatever right um and you could end up selling <laughs> selling the space station for like nothing and end up selling the manhole for like you know fifteen thousand dollars um so it's kind of it's a little silly but it's another one of those games that i really like playing with a lot of people especially if those people are you know at that moment don't really want to play a, a very heavy game or you know something where they have to learn you know more than a few rules or something like that um so it doesn't have quite as much depth as something like hive um but it is still a good time and it plays really quickly and you can play several rounds um in a you know, relatively short amount of time um and i i think the art on the cards is pretty funny too i mean it's it's really kind of laughable when you sell you know some like shack for a ridiculous ludicrous amount of money i I remember it being a pretty good warm-up game for us when i came to came to your house i don't know like in 2017 or 2018 one of those years uh yeah we, that was that was how we started the weekend i believe was like we were like hey let's start with something light and easy and and oh, brian yeah, was like, what about for sale and you went yeah for sale and so we oh, yeah, that's, like, yeah that's another thing is like it's a game that brian really loves so yeah, it's, yeah. it's always fun to play with him because he actually really enjoys this game <laughs> <laughs> anytime your your significant other your partner wants to play anything with you if it's if it's not like you know if they're not into the hobby as much as you are it's it's worth doing i guess it's, it yeah makes that, <laughs> it makes that genre or that game all the more valuable yeah so, indeed yeah um, but yeah, that was, that was a good way to start that, that weekend. I remember, I remember it being a pleasant game. <laughs> it, it is a pleasant game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My number nine is unmatched, mm. um, which I'm just going to say unmatched as in the system, because it's difficult to like, just name a single box product. <laughs> um, because unmatched is a line, uh, they're made by restoration games and it's a line of, uh, miniatures combat games. Although. Each each person is basically controlling one miniature. I guess it can be more than one miniature now that I think about the way the dinosaurs work in the Jurassic Park uh, box. But uh, typically it's one miniature. You're playing a character like Bigfoot or Robin Hood or, you know, like Little Red Riding Hood. Um, 
And you've got a deck of cards that essentially dictate all of the abilities that you can do, other than like maybe like one special ability that they've got on their like you know their their character card. Um, and you're basically just trying to get the other uh, players health down to zero and you win and there's a board and there's movement involved and you know some of the the later boards have had environmental effects and things like that that kind of affect like movement or you know obfuscating where somebody's at stuff like that um uh it's a real clever game it's a real easy game to teach it's a real fun game to play it's very satisfying it plays relatively quickly for this type of a game, you can usually knock a game out in about 30 minutes or so. You know, the only downside is it's got the sort of, like, you know, collector bug element to it because, you know, like, you can get a base set that comes with four characters, but then you find out that there's, you know, another 20 characters out there, and suddenly you're dropping $300 on Unmatch instead of just the, the 30 or 40 that you thought you were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I really enjoy playing it. I've never had a bad time playing Unmatched. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome. But also sometimes you kind of want to play more than one game in a row because it's just that fun. Um, the game is real fun. I've played really several fun. times with you. Really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a blast. It's um, it's a rip roaring time fighting you know the Invisible Man with Sherlock Holmes or whatever. I love that. <laughs> right, so, yeah, I, I they have licensed characters now. Like there's a Buffy the Vampire set that I've got, and I haven't tried any of the Buffy characters. But I also have like a Jurassic Park set where you've got like uh, Muldoon versus the three Velociraptors from nice. the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's awesome. I love that. I like playing with those licensed characters. But there's just something about those, um, you know, th- those public domain characters that they've been using for the, the most most of the time. Yeah. That for me, at first I was like, oh, this is lame. They're just doing the thing that like a lot of other people do using, you know, characters they don't have to license, save some money. But they do a really good job of it. And it's really fun to be like, I'm the invisible man. You know, like, where did I go? <laughs> oh, you have no idea where I'm at right behind you. Um, there's a lot of fun with those characters. They do, they do a great job of leveraging those those characters. So um, anyway, yeah, that's my ninth. Everyone I've played has been like really, you know, wonderfully thematic. and Yeah, yeah they do a great job um, of, yeah, fun of to play. Uh, exactly. They do a great job of. Uh, making you feel like that character through the card mechanics. It's it's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, where are we at? Number what? <laughs> number eight. Number eight. All right. Okay. So, number eight. This one kind of was a surprise to me because it just it kind of came out of nowhere. But I think because we played it a couple times recently, I sort of rediscovered how much I really like this game. Uh, and it's Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good game. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've talked about it recently a bunch because we you know, played that and then we played Suburbia, which is a similar game. Um, and I just, I like it. I mean, I like the mechanics. I like how, you know, a person gets to sort of set the market for everybody else uh, during a given round. I like that, you know, the pieces don't exactly, like, fit together. And that's part of the challenge is, like, trying to decide which rooms will fit where because you never really know. And um you know the point combos and all that kind of stuff i I just think it's a, a fun game yeah i really enjoy it i you know i think that if uh if we had played it at a gen con and neither of us owned it i would have bought it and brought it home but knowing that you've got it and you're probably one of the only people that i'll ever play it with uh mm-hmm. i don't own it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, I really enjoy that game I, I really like what it does i really like the the price setting mechanism i think i like that game so much that it sort of ruined the idea in my head of what suburbia was for me. Uh-oh. Like I, I was pretty much like on the fence, ready to jump off the fence and buy suburbia. And I think I just like, I feel like King Ludwig does just a little bit more with like the price setting mechanic mm-hmm. that now I kind of like that maybe a little more than that, than, than suburbia. Mm-hmm. And then I also realized that there's another game on my list and I realized that that's really all I need and we'll get there. 
Oh um, yeah. But yeah, I, it, it's sort of yeah, it was sort of the catalyst for for preventing a purchase. For me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I, I'm still kind of. I'm maybe a little disappointed that I didn't go in on that like fancy yeah. Ludwig set, but I, again, yeah. we talked about it. You don't really need it. You but don't, you don't. Your your set is perfectly fine. I know, Jason. but it looked so nice. Yeah, but so does yours. It's fine. <laughs> it is. It's it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and looks aren't everything, as we'll see. Um, okay, where are we at? We're at number eight. I my number eight game of right now all time is Marvel Champions, the game from Fantasy Flight Games, the LCG. Um, I believe this was my second favorite game of 2019 came out that year. I have be- I've bought every single pack and expansion that they come up with up till now. Um, it's a game that I've primarily played solo. So, you know, caveat here is that I like this game because it plays so well by myself. I mm. play so well solitaire. Um, we've played a three player game at your house and it took forever. Yes. And I did not enjoy it as much as a three player game. It, it, it doesn't scale. Well, I mean, maybe it scales well mechanically and difficulty wise to higher player counts, but the time it takes to play just balloons so much that like, I've kind of been scared away from wanting to play a three or four player game again. Mm-hmm. I suggested it as one of the games that we'll play at Gen Con this year. And I know that our friend Dave, who's coming, is a, is a big Marvel fan, so he'll probably want to play it. So we might end up playing it still. Um, but the length of it really does kind of, I don't know, kind of dissuades me from wanting to play it anything other than, like, one or two player. Uh, I, I'm, now I'm just talking about the negatives of a game that's on my top ten list. Yeah. That seems weird. <laughs> that took a turn. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, but no, the, the similarly to Unmatched, the, the card play in this game, and it is card-driven, it's a card game, um, does an excellent job of sort of, like, Evoking the mechanics that you would expect or evoking the theme of the characters that you're playing as through the card mechanics. It does a great Mm -hmm. job of that. And even when it just feels maybe a little bit pasted on, which can kind of happen with some of the characters, like it's there's still interesting card mechanics. And and it's fun to try to, like, take down all the different scenarios, which are typically like, you know, specific uh, villains from the Marvel Universe or whatever. And and we're talking about the comics, not the not the cinematic universe. Um but, you know, like, it's it's really fun to try to, you know, go up against Kang and take him down. And, and Kang can come out in all these different kinds of ways against you because there's so many different versions of Kang out there. And it randomizes which one you get within the, the scenario. Um, or, you know, like, just taking down, I don't know, like, the Green Goblin. You know, like, he's become, like, sort of one of the, the, the ones that I always go to whenever I get a new character now. And, and you know, I, I just tried out Venom, the new Venom pack, and... and he would just felt like explosive and, and just really, really overpowered in some ways. But in other ways, like it felt like a sort of a glass cannon sort of thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. It, it just it does a great job of of evoking a lot of different types of characters using card play. I love that. Um, I can play it by myself in an hour or less uh, in, in a really satisfying scenario. Um, it, it's kind of perfect for the solitaire gamer, I think. Or maybe like, you know, a, a pair of gamers who both like the theme comics and then also sort of like, you know, co-op card games. Um, yeah. it's great. Um, and it's got deck construction and everything. So if you want to get deep into the weeds with that, you can, it's there. It's fun. It's good. Good game. <laughs> for one it's or there. Two it's fun. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> if you have the right player account, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jason, you're number seven game oh. of all time today. Today. Uh, <laughs> all right. So my number seven is, uh, Gloomhaven. That's a good game. It is a good game. Um, I I like it because it does two things that I like, and it does them simultaneously pretty well, which is storytelling and gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you'll play uh, like some kind of RPG or dungeon crawler or whatever, and like either the gameplay is so so, and the story is amazing, you know, and they focus 
really on the story wait a being minute, the driver. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Gotta what? stop you. Yes. What board game has a great story? Um, well, you wouldn't know. Folklore has a great story. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Like, the story is the driver of that game, and a lot of times the game mechanics are just sort of... Sure. Yeah, we tried that at, yeah. uh, at Gen Con one year. Yeah. yeah. So I fell I'm... asleep. Yeah. At the table. I, enjoy, I enjoy playing folklore because I like seeing what happens with the story, but the gameplay itself is not fantastic. Um, but I think Gloomhaven does a good job of melding story with gameplay. At times, Gloomhaven can be a little uh, grindy, but I think the the way that the combat mechanics with the cards work, uh, how that works, uh, keeps it a little bit more engaging than a lot of other standard dice rolling kind of. You know. it's it's kind of the bread and butter of the system like if it didn't yeah. have the the clever card mechanic system that it uses then I, I don't feel like it really stands out from the pack at all true true and the character classes they have are really kind of they're not your standard like yeah they're unique yeah. you know tank healer blah 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 you know right, they're, they're right, kind right. of really interesting yeah so yeah so gloomhaven is good keeps me coming back uh, made it onto the list but only to number seven <laughs> yeah yeah uh my number seven is the castles of burgundy Oh, yeah. Talking about games that don't look great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's just start with all the negatives, right? It looks like trash. It looks like somebody vomited all over a bunch of cardboard. Thin, thin, frustratingly thin cardboard. Um, This is, I'm talking about the original game of, of, the the original version of Castles of Burgundy published in 2011. I haven't seen the new anniversary edition that came out a couple years ago. Um, Oh, I've seen the artwork online, but I haven't ever, like, you know, held and touched one or anything like that. I don't know if the, the, the chits have gotten any thicker, but. Those are the negatives of Castles of Burgundy. Everything else is a huge positive. As far as Euro mechanics go, this is a great tile-laying game that has uh, really satisfying, interesting, and fun combos. Um, you know, it has great sort of, like, dice mechanic and, and luck mitigation, which is something you expect out of a Euro game that has any sort of luck, which, in this case, it's, you know, drawing tiles out of a bag and, you know, like, d- determining which tiles are going to be available in a mm. market to purchase from and everything every every turn, as well as, like, what dice you roll, and those dice then allow you to take the actions in the game, which are, like, you know, taking the, tr- the tiles from the market, laying those tiles into your, your sort of tableau, um, your, what is it, like, your, your city or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to come up with, you know, uh, like adjacent spaces, trying to fill up areas on the board in order to get point bonuses, as well as laying down the tiles that give you actual like sort of like bonuses. Every single one of them gives you some sort of bonus, uh, or special abilities, ongoing special abilities in the case of the science tiles. And, you know, when, when we talked about this game a couple of years ago, when we reviewed it, we were talking about how like, like the best euros out there, this one allows different players to approach the game in with completely different strategies, right? Like, like approaching the game from completely different areas. Like you, we, when we talked about this a couple of years ago, you said that you almost always prioritize livestock, you know, and, yeah. and going for these sort of like adjacency bonuses that the livestock get. And I was just like, well, I always go for the science tiles and trying to like, you know, min max my economy and all that. And so we had completely different approaches to the game, but we both enjoyed it. You know, I think I enjoyed it more than you at the time. I, you know, like we were talking, I think what I said was, this is a fabulous game or like, you know, a phenomenal game or something like that. And you were mm-hmm. like, it's okay. You know, I yeah. like it. It's good. <laughs> um, but I don't, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but for me, it, it apparently has remained that way. I was, when I was trying to round out this list, I was like, there's something missing here. Like, I don't have any Euros on this list, and I really like Euros. Like, I really do. Like, yeah. I think this is something that I've discovered about myself over the last few years as we've, you know, like, made effort to do this podcast and just record on every game we can get our hands on 
is that I love Euros. I actually really do. Like, the way that they're, like, you know, mechanically clever, um, kind of, like, you know, get away from the sort of, like, direct conflict games that I also enjoy, but sometimes I want to break from, and sometimes I appreciate a break from that. Um, and so it's, it's led to me to realize how much I really do love Euros. And so this slot could probably just say Euro game, right? <laughs> um, but I had to pick one. <laughs> and among the ones that, that could have gone on here, I felt like maybe the Castles of Burgundy just edged the rest out today, at least yeah. a little bit, because I was thinking about suburbia and I was thinking about how I told you that, um, I went back and, and listened to our re- old review on Orbis. And then I was like, I, I wanted Orbis to be more than it was. I wanted it to yeah. have the tile land game where the tiles did things where they did like interesting mechanical things. And then I thought about it and I'm like, well, that's suburbia. Suburbia does that. And suburbia does do that a little bit, mm-hmm. but Castles of Burgundy, does it a whole lot and it does it super well and when i realized that i was like i gotta go back and play castles of burgundy again i gotta see if this is one of my favorite games of all time and <laughs> of course i didn't have anyone to play with so i but i do own the app the uh the video game version of oh. on steam and i went and played that and i couldn't stop playing and then i realized this is fine this is fine as my seventh game game of all time today um maybe next year it'll be agricola maybe the year after that it'll be you know concordia or you know whatever there's there's a ton of euro games out there that i absolutely love but um, Castles of Burgundy is the one today that I'm saying you guys should all own this. It's, you know, it's it's a game that at least back with the original edition was super cheap and it is mechanically phenomenal. So uh, <laughs> Castles of Burgundy, number seven. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny that you're you're talking about that because I, you know, for my number six actually is sort of a similar thought thought process is yeah. like, yeah, it was like I I don't have any Euro games on my list. And so I picked one. (laughs) Well, I I thought about all the Euro games that I actually really like playing. And I was like, which one is my favorite? And I'm pretty sure that I landed on the right choice for me, which is Power Grid. Oh, yeah, that was on your list last time. It was. It was on my list last time. It was at number four this time and number six. Um, I feel like I'm missing something with that game. um, We played it once online, I think. Yeah, maybe that's the problem is we played it online and not in person. Yeah. Um, but and I, and there could be a little bit of um, you know what we were talking about before with for sale, which is my husband really enjoys this game too, so that makes oh, it yeah, a yeah, little bit yeah. more fun. Um, but it is also a game that I I really enjoy, um, and I have lots of friends that enjoy playing it too. So I mean, it's it's always kind of a good time when I get it out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I just as far as euros go, I think it has really clever and interesting mechanics. Um, the theme isn't so great. I mean. You're setting up power plants across Germany, uh, yeah. but <laughs> um, but I do enjoy like the artwork on some of the cards and on the board and stuff like that. I um, I like how the the power scaling goes. Like as you progress further into the game, I think it's a much more even curve than a lot of games where you know at a certain point somebody just sort of usually leaps like way far ahead and you can't really catch up. Um, I think Power Grid does a good job of sort of mitigating that a little bit. Um, so that it still feels competitive, um, you know, when you're two thirds of the way through the game, um, and it's you know, and it's a fairly pe- fast playing game once you sort of, you know, get down how the how a turn cycle flows. So once you know once that happens, you can pretty much knock out a game in in like an hour or so, uh, which is I think pretty good for this type of uh, yeah definitely thinky euro. Yeah, um, I, I think I think a lot of the best euros last one hour. Yeah, exactly one hour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're going to have to... I feel like the next time that we're uh, in the same place and we've got a copy of Power Grid and we've got a lot of time on our hands, 
that isn't allotted. I don't know when this is going to be. Probably when I'm retired or something. But, right, yeah. uh, <laughs> Actually, we'll, we'll, need to, so we'll need to try it again because I, I, I think I've only played it online and I don't remember loving it then. Um, but maybe I missed something. I think it's better um, in person. I don't as know. I recall, I don't think we even finished the game because it we was not it was taking a long time. <laughs> yeah, and I don't I don't deal well with you know like that that issue long long games you know. Well, right. that's not true, but um, a certain pace of game. Pace of game. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, plus we were playing on TTS and it's like really fiddly with all the yeah, and it was it was old TTS like this was like years ago. Years there was years like ago. no scripting on it. Yeah, this yeah. was probably like 2015 or something. So yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Right. Uh, number six. My number six game is Gloomhaven. Hey, you may have heard of this game. Uh, <laughs> it comes in a big box. I really like that. It's cool. Yeah. The box art's really pretty. It's got really great colors on it: red, uh, black, it yellow. Is a, it is a weighty box. <laughs> uh, we've talked about Gloomhaven a million times. I don't need to go in depth on it, but uh, it's a perfect game for my wife and I. Co-op. Uh, I enjoy it because it's strategic and tactical. It, well, it's tactical in nature, and I enjoy tactical games. Uh, I enjoy the theme. I enjoy, you know, those wonderful uh, top-bottom card mechanics that it makes you use, where it's like you're always making a, a hard choice, but sometimes an also a good choice, and sometimes an exciting choice, but that always means you're not making another choice that you would also be excited about, and that feels that feels wrong. It's bad. <laughs> but at the same time, it still feels good. <laughs> Playing this uh, game makes me feel bad. Feel bad. Well, it, it just makes you feel like you're making interesting decisions at all at all points of the game, right? Yeah. And that is what the best board games do is they, they present you with interesting decisions, sometimes tough decisions, but as long as those decisions are interesting, then that is a good game. Um, this game can last a while, both in terms of the, you know, like the play sessions, but also the campaign, right? Mm -hmm. um, like we still haven't finished the, the first campaign. Uh, we kind of slowed down on Gloomhaven in the last year and a half or so. Uh, I don't think we've touched it in 2021. We played some of it in 2020. Uh, so we still haven't finished it. We will finish it eventually, but you know, I don't feel like it's a game that ever overstays its welcome, despite the fact that sometimes you can be sitting there playing a session for an hour and a half to two hours. Right. Probably most of them are shorter than that, actually. It's probably like more like an hour to an hour and a half once it's set up uh, tops. Uh, you know, but I, I, even when we've moved on to other things, even when there's been other co-ops or other dungeon crawls, we both know full well that we're going back to Gloomhaven. It hasn't gone to the shelf to stay. It's gone to the shelf for now. And that's what I think that's a good hallmark for a good game is that, you know, I've, I, it's never out of sight, out of mind entirely, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's that's a good way of saying. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's one of those games you like put it on the shelf, but it's probably not going to stay there. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of games I put on my shelf and I've never looked at them again. <laughs> um, and, and I think that if you're in the hobby, you know what I'm talking about. You've done it, too. You all <laughs> <Right>. have. Yes. <laughs> You've um, all done this. Yes. But Gloomhaven's not one of those games for me. It's, it's always there. I'm always like, you know, like side eyeing it and being like, is it time? And I'm like, no, <laughs> let's finish Pandemic Legacy Season Zero first. OK, well, now I need a, a palate cleanser because that was a really heavy experience. So, hey, how about we do Legacy of Dragonhold? Because it's very narrative and that's what we're doing right now. But then after that, maybe it's time for Gloomhaven. And it might be. We'll see. It's coming around sometime. It will. Good. I'm I'm uh, I'm happy for you that it, yeah. <laughs> you'll have a little bundle of joy coming. Uh, I think we're on number five now, Jason. Uh, yes, yeah, because the last okay. one is progress. Yeah. What's okay. your number five? My number five is here's here's the section of the game where we get into like games that are like really overproduced. Oh yeah, yeah. This, this is where you see what Jason and I really like, which yeah. is spending money. Yeah, yeah. So number five. Number five for me is uh, Mythic Battles Pan Pantheon. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So I actually, I like this game so much that I actually just backed the recent Ragnarok one too, which is basically yeah. the same game, but with different, uh, different mythological characters. In it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, and so you're, we, you're like $1,200 into the, the, the mythic battles system at this point. <laughs> Uh, not quite. <laughs> close. Real close. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about the... We did an episode on this, didn't we? We did, yeah. Yeah, because you, you played it with me when we were here. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, and probably for all the reasons I talked about liking it last time, I I like the theme and the characters. The minis look great. The the game itself is pretty fun. Um, it's It's, uh, you know, neat to, to field, like medusa and some spartan warriors and uh and hercules and have him chuck trees at things and uh have you know medusa turn things to stone and 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 you know just sort of like battle royale of these classic monsters and heroes that you've been hearing about like your entire life yeah if you like scenario based skirmish games uh this one is excellent it's it's got you know like it does have it's way overproduced i mean oh, yeah. like you could you could easily do this with a bunch of cards the way that summoner wars does <laughs> um but you know if you like overproduction if you like miniatures if you like 3d terrain uh then this is this is for you mm-hmm. uh because it, it has all that stuff it has all the bling but then it also has really interesting mechanics and it has really interesting sort of like uh you know like mechanics that are individual to the different units that you can you can draft and and put out on your board and everything and the thing is that they're usually pretty good too like the you know the 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 tailored mechanics for every unit are usually pretty interesting and faithful to you know the the legacy of that particular character right yeah yeah um like yeah, and usually like useful. Like they're not not just there for flavor. Like they're good. They're usually pretty useful abilities. Yeah, I came away from that that game we played on this really hot, and it, it led me to believe that I needed uh I needed another skirmish game, and it was either going to be this or Joan of Arc, and I picked this. So I also <laughs> backed that last Kickstarter. Uh, so I'm gonna have copies of my own as well. <laughs> so, yeah, instead of uh, yeah. Hades and Athena, you're gonna have. Actually, Odin and both because I backed the version that comes oh. with the base game of both. <laughs> oh well, you could have Athena versus Odin then. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I decided that was plenty though, so I'm not getting any expansions, just the uh, the stretch goals. But nice. yeah, I, I'm I I went for the big pack that came with both of the the pantheons. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, and apparently there's going to be a third one that involves like all of the Egyptian gods what? at one point. So. There you okay. go. You can spend even more money, Jason, oh, God. on this game. So, yeah. Oh, my poor wallet. Okay. I know. All right. Number five? Is that where we're at? Yeah. Was that a yes? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, you're cut out a little. Oh, sorry. Okay, my number five is oh, another expensive game, Kingdom Death Monster. <laughs> See, I thought about putting that on my list. It doesn't get more expensive than this, I don't no. think. The base game alone is $400, everybody. So you can just, you know, you can just tune <laughs> out for the next, it. like, five minutes if you want, if you're not interested in spending $400 on a board game. Because once you spend that $400, you are like, well, what's money anyway? And you just keep going and buying all of the other expansions <laughs> for it. Um, it's, it's a campaign game. You know, you're kind of like you are uh, players that represent, like, sort of overlords of a city, essentially, like a little settlement. 
and you have like individuals within that settlement that you create and those those individuals then go out on like hunts essentially to go hunt these uh like you start out just hunting a lion and then of course that like escalates to you know like a giant phoenix or you know like these big bad bad guys that are sort of like you know supernatural in nature and everything um and you die a lot it's it's like you know you you know that you're going to lose people within your settlement that's why having more babies is part of the whole game. Like, there's like a whole settlement management part of this. Um, it does a lot of things that I enjoy. It does like sort of like you know a management sim sort of thing. It does miniatures combat. Um, it, it does like you know character creation really well and all that. And it's got this very dark tone. This very smoky dark. You know, um, and and you know like dark as in like you know like NC seventeen dark, right? I mean like <laughs> yeah. there's. There's nudity, but it's not necessarily. I mean, like we've talked about how there's like there's the whole pinup stuff that if you go to the website, but within just the base game, it, it isn't necessarily. Um, I don't know, like grotesque. Yeah, it's not that or anything bad. like that. Yeah, uh, but it's there. You know, it's definitely an adult game. You're not going to play this with like you know your 13 year olds or whatever like that. This is definitely for like you know the 18 and above crowd. Um, but you know, like it's got cannibalism and like a lot of really dark stuff. But I don't know the way that it's presented. Just it 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 lends to the theme so well that. Um, I don't know. I just we got obsessed with this game when we got it in 2019. I think my wife and I never put it away for like the first like four or five months that we had it out. <laughs> wow. um, and and it's one of these games that's also as much of a hobby as it is a board game because it involves assembling miniatures and painting them if you want to paint them and everything. And I've gotten into that side of it pretty heavily. Um, like I just magnetized a bunch of bases this weekend so <laughs> that I can like swap bases with people and everything. And uh, so it's, it's on my list because I both love it as a hobby and I also love the board game part of it. You know, in another universe, this might be my favorite game of all time, but as it is, I'm trying to prioritize the games that I really want to play the most and I'm always excited to play. This one can be like a little bit of a bear to like, you know, drag upstairs and set up and everything. So because of that reason, it sits at the bottom of the top of the list at five. Um, yeah, but it's real good and I love it. I, I almost put it on the list, but I didn't think it would have been fair since I've only played it that one time with you, but. Oh wow! Like I still, I still like really want to play more of it. It's just that. Here's the thing, you know, Jason. Pandemic you know how you, you you almost put it on your list because you think you know how good it is, right? Right. It's that good. <laughs> well, great. Now I really want to play more. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should. <clears throat> All right, number four, Jason. All right, so number four for me is Twilight Imperium. Which we've talked about many times. <laughs> Four, huh? Yes. That's a rookie number. I know. Well, it's not my favorite. <laughs> my number one game of all time, but it's it's getting up there. It wasn't even on my yeah. list last time, so. <laughs> That's true, yeah, yeah. It's grown on you quite a bit, hasn't it? It has, yeah. yeah. I mean, it still yeah. frustrates me sometimes, um, which is probably why I haven't moved it up higher on the list, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, but I do enjoy playing it, um, and I, you know, I'm pretty much down to play it whenever we have a you nice. Need that, group. You need that win. Is, is that's the only problem, right? Yeah, I've never won. I've come close. We'll, we'll do a team game at Gen Con, and I'll we'll get you there. I'll get you over that goal line. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> team up on Gabe and Dave. Yeah, right. Well, really, team up on Gabe. He's the one that's he's the he's killer. He's pretty crafty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about Twilight Imperium? Oh, I mean, I mean, what else do I need to say about Twilight Imperium? I mean, it's oh, <laughs> we've talked game. about it many, many yeah. times. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful baby that everybody should enjoy. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. fun. Big, big, big space empire creation, asymmetrical, awesome stuff happening. You can be space lions that trade real well. Yeah. What else do you need to know? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, what I, uh, this is the thing for me with a lot of video games too is like I like things that have 
like a lot of different uh, different classes or different yeah. races factions, or something. Yeah, yeah, factions that have like different abilities, and because it keeps me wanting to like try them Explore. all out. Yeah, yeah. There's a real sense of discovery within that game, especially early on, right? Because like there's 17. 17 factions that come with a base game. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to explore. There's a lot of units within each faction to explore. I mean, they, for the most part, they're all like standardized, right? But I mean, like yeah. there are still, even within that, there's a lot to explore, right? Like it just be like the difference between how do I use a destroyer well, right? Like how do I use fighters well? Like, you know, like mm-hmm. fighters, oh, you think of those as hit points. Oh, okay, I get it now. You know, like there's all these moments where you realize that like, oh, this is how you use this effectively, you know? And, and it's a game that is providing you with those types of experiences every time you play it. Right. And I mean, throw on top of that, I mean, not just the sort of starting stuff that you get, but throw on top of that, the like the tech tree that you can invest in and see how that changes everything. And I mean, it's just you're right. I mean, it's just sort of like a perpetual kind of discovery kind of thing. Like, oh, wow, that's a new thing I didn't think would happen. Yeah, it's very intoxicating. So, yeah, number four. Okay, my number four. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> we're so close to the top three i'm excited okay uh my number four though i'll call myself down because it's only four is spirit island <laughs> uh, making a return appearance yeah for real yeah it was only number three it was number number three before so it's fallen uh in favor apparently because uh i have two newer games that i i just i can't help but put them a little higher up but spirit island i think i said uh you know like is is like, I think when we did the top 10, I said that it might as well be my number two because I kind of felt the same for it that I do Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. I think that I've, I haven't played a ton of Spirit Island this year, but I played a lot of it last year because the expansion came out and I went back to it and, and played a ton. Um, and I played a bunch of the, the digital version that's been on Steam for the last year or two. Yeah. And it continues to be a phenomenal solitaire experience every time I go back to it. Uh, I've had a lot of fun playing it two player with somebody else, whether it's my wife or a friend who's come over to see it. It's always been, I think one time we played, did we play three player? I can't remember. But uh, it, I don't know that it would always work at higher player counts just because I can imagine there would be a little bit of downtime. But that sort of mix of, you know, like area control a little bit, but I'll mix that in with like some Magic the Gathering sort of like, you know, card mechanics, um, like really interesting sort of energy mechanics for spending, you know, energy, the energy energy on those cards but then also like sort of the elemental energies that give you all the different bonuses and and then always trying to sort of like min max your turns has always been just this phenomenal puzzle that i really appreciate um if you're the type of person that likes a puzzly game uh that really requires you to tax your brain a little bit in order to succeed then Mm -hmm. i I don't think it gets much better than this as far as co-ops or or solitaire games go um so i I think it's always going to be one of my favorites i think this is going to be really one of the favorites of all time for me i don't think it's going to leave the list ever Mm. um so there it sits at number four, Spirit Island. It looks great. I love the art. I love just, you know, the, the names of all the different spirits that you can inhabit. Um, you know, I love a lot of the I love the theme that comes through on the card play. Like I remember one one of the one of the things I put on Instagram last year was that I wiped out like an entire civilization with a black hole at one point. Like, <laughs> like it, it required like all of this like sort of like, you know, uh lining all your ducks up in order to be able to play this crazy black hole that would do like just an, a tremendous amount of damage, but I did it and it just felt so satisfying. You okay, know that's kind of amazing. Oh God, it's so good. It's it's seriously it's um clearly one of my favorite games. I love Spirit Island and I will I don't think I'll ever not love Spirit Island. So. You know I should really play more of that because the the only time I only I played it was when we did the demo with Scott at 
Gen Con that one year. Which was when it was still in development. Right, you yeah. have not played a finished copy of Spirit Island. Yeah, I have we not, definitely no. need to play that at some point, Jason, because I think it's one of the good I think it is one of the greatest games of all time. Just period, <laughs> I hear you, as right? you just said, yeah. <laughs> not today. I mean of all time, of all ever. time. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You're uh where are we at? We're at number three now, right? Number three. Number three. Okay, so yeah, so uh, this is a game that we've also talked a lot about um, and uh, have mentioned several times. Uh, this is Cthulhu Wars for me. Uh, last time it was number two. This time it's fallen to number three. Um, but I still like it. I've actually played it recently and it, everything I've ever liked about it is still there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a solid game. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's another one of those games where there's like a lot of different factions that you can try out and they all have unique abilities and, and things like that. Um, but even aside from that, I mean, I think the, the core mechanics that don't ever change, um, are, uh, are really solid. Um, I think it's a, fairly easy game to teach people um i mean it's not the easiest thing but um you know just on a basic level like it's pretty straightforward um i love that moment when you know somebody's playing a faction and they sort of unlock how it works yeah 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 which it can be also i think a, like, a like downside for right it. it's like oh i get it there's that moment where you're like oh i get this right i can yes. only see how this how these three abilities combo together to create a success engine right exactly exactly yeah um i i do think that that can sometimes be a downside for it for especially for like first time players because they'll they'll probably like fall behind and not know until they figure it out. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you go into it, like knowing how the thing works, like you've figured it out. Um, I think all the factions are fairly well balanced with the exception of one of them, which I think is way overpowered. Um, but all the other ones seem to, to play really well and be competitive with each other. Um, yeah. And plus it just, you know, as we've mentioned before, has like great table presence. Like it's these huge, colorful, you know, monsters. Yeah. Production. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, it's wonderful on so many levels for me. Yeah. It was on my list last time. It was my 10th game of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I would still love to play it, you know, like if we had a copy in the time and everything, I think what happened was I got the God's war, which is mm-hmm. the iteration of that game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that what we talked about on the, on the podcast where we reviewed the God's war, if I remember correctly, was that they sort of added more, more to it in a way that wasn't necessarily, beneficial right right yeah it was just additive in some ways that felt like to be additive and and to make it in some way like you know feel like oh look it's the sequel you know how sometimes like you buy a video game sequel and it's like okay before i could only double jump and do a slam attack but now i can triple jump and Mm -hmm. like they always like add a few mechanics and then they call it a sequel i feel like this was one of those and it and it it sort of ruined the experience for me a little bit like i'd still play the god's war like i still think that it is a good game it is a solid game but there's just enough in it that, like, I was like, well, this isn't one of the greatest games of all time, though, anymore, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, it, and because I haven't played Cthulhu Wars in a long time, I think if I'd be like, if we'd been playing it, you know, all the time, maybe it would still be on my list, but we haven't played it in, like, three years, so. Yeah, it's been you know, a while. Clearly, there's other things that are sort of, like, you know, more relevant or, you know, like, sure. uh, salient in my mind at the moment. Um, But Cthulhu Wars is great. I, I think that it's it's a very sound system. I don't think it needs anything else. I think that it is the the better game between it and, and God's, God's War. Right. So, yeah. 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 Yep. Okay, okay. Number, three, number three, right? Yep. Number three, number three. Oh boy. Uh my number three game of all time is Memoir forty four. <laughs> I was my wondering if it was still gonna be on the game. list. Yeah, dude, Memoir forty four is Memoir forty four is another spirit island for me where it's like it's gonna be a forever game, right? <laughs> it may not always be the forever number one game, but it's always gonna be a forever game. I same thing I said three years ago, I'll play this game anytime. Any day if somebody's like Kyle, Memoir forty four, I'll say yes. Uh <laughs> 
I I I love this game. It's it's simplistic in terms of the mechanics. It's it's probably the easiest game on either of our lists to teach to people, honestly. Like there's so little you need to know in order to play the game. Mm. It, it 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 is elegant in that way. Uh but then it also has enough strategy and tactics to it that you feel very satisfied when things work out your way. Um they've added plenty of expansions to it. There's plenty to explore if you've run the gamut of like, you know, the initial like eight or 12 scenarios or whatever in the base game book uh and and in addition to the just the regular command cards that they give you they have added uh these these other cards that the combat cards i think is what they call them um in some of the expansions that sort of do what the other commands and colors games do which is give you two decks of cards to draw cards from and play Mm -hmm. um you know how like in 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 battle lore there's like those those lore cards that you can play in addition to the command cards that order your units around and everything it it kind of has that now as well so like if you want to add that in and make a slightly more complicated deeper game out of it you can but it's also great fun at with just like the the basic version that you know I, I think I could teach that to my six year old um <laughs> but also I think that I could sit it down with somebody that is you know not turned off by the world war two theme uh you know and the combative nature of it and and, and enjoy it with just about anybody that's into you know combative one on one games so still have never played eh, i don't I don't think it's necessarily a game for you um but it's definitely a game for me. So. <laughs> well, I think that you could enjoy a commands and colors game I don't think that you've had the right um situation in uh, which you're playing one because when you played battle lore you played the intro scenario you didn't play a full scenario that right. had a symmetry to it and and included all of the all of the rules including the the lore deck right, right. Like you didn't yeah. do any of that right and so you haven't really played that game still that's the game we need to sit down and play i think that's the game that you might actually enjoy is is battle lore 2.0 yeah. uh i don't know that memoir 44 is going to float your boat as much because it's world war ii and you don't particularly care for that i don't think no i, um, I usually don't play games that are based on like real conflicts yeah so i don't think that's a game for you but it's a game for me i love it and i'll always love it is it uh what was that space game red alert yeah red alert i've got that now too so i mean like it's another one that, that yeah. see that one i enjoyed Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I that I think we played a more asymmetrical map and we played with uh I think we played with additional cards there too, didn't we? Oh, maybe I don't remember. I don't remember now, but um anyway, yeah, that that one's fun too. So. Yeah. Okay. Right. Number 2. Number 2, getting to the big leagues. Okay, so my number 2 was my number 3 and it's moved up. <laughs> um and it's Magic the Gathering. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think it is I debated actually putting it at number one. Yeah, you've got a problem. I really do. I just love this game so much. And it's my rediscovery of of my love for this game is almost solely due to MTG Arena, the, the yep. online version. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just uh, it's one of the uh, probably because it's allowing me to play it more than I ever could before, because I, you know, I don't need another physical person to be here playing. I just can go on and queue for a match and, you know, and play within a minute or so. Um, and you know, they're, they're adding all the new sets and like, I love when like new mechanics come out and I love, uh, like trying out new deck formations and the artwork is always nowadays pretty, pretty good. And, uh, um, you know, once in a while something comes along that's really annoying. Like there's a particular card that is in every deck that wins or like the meta is really terrible or whatever, but, a lot of times that it doesn't even bother me that much because I, I'll just like queue for another game and it'll be a different deck that I'm playing against. And, um, and it's just, I just enjoy it so much. And I always think the new mechanics they, they introduce are interesting, if not always like great. Uh, I think, you know, they're doing a good job of like iterating and reiterating on stuff. Um, 
so it's you know it, it's just one of those games that even though it's quite old at this point is still evolving and changing and um while still retaining the sort of initial uh sort of thing that hooked me on it in the first place yeah i i've been playing it too uh i got into it when i realized i could play mobile uh, a few months ago yeah so you know we've been talking about that off of off of the show and everything and and you know that i'm into it as well however i'm not as into it as you i don't think because Every time we sit down to play a board game online or D and D, we're always sitting there, and I'm like, Jason, and you're like, I'm trying to wrap up a mat. <laughs> Every single time. I know. So I'm like, I mean, it's just yeah. so. I I don't know what it is. It's so addictive. Like I check MTG Arena news every morning, like wow. before I even go on like CNN or whatever. Yeah, see, I, I'm lo- I'm more like, oh hey, I've got 15 minutes here. I've got like a half hour here. What can I do while this toddler's sitting on me? And it's like, all right, I can pull up Magic the Gathering. And so for me, it's like a thing that I play, like, you know, probably, like, six matches a week, maybe. Mm. Um, it's not like an everyday, lots of times per day thing for me. It's an every ever, every now and then thing. Oh, but yeah. I've definitely been enjoying it. So. I play at least six matches a day. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I don't doubt that. Um, you could tell me you played 30 matches a day, and I believe you the way that I've been catching you playing it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean it's it's well produced that that arena version of it and the game has always been a perfect thing, you know. Yeah. Um I think that's why it's it's lived so long and it's been so popular is because it it's perfect, you know, like the foundation of it is perfect and you can always iterate on it, you can always, you know, grow that thing out in multiple directions and you can always prune it back if you need to, but yeah, it's it's one of those perfect games out there, so. Yeah, I just I just love it. I thank you Richard Garfield <laughs> and, yeah, and Mark Rosewater. Yeah. We could probably, you know what? We could honestly, we could probably have like a monthly podcast on just Magic the Gathering. I'm sure people do to talk about with it. I'm sure people do. Yeah, I'm saying you and I probably would have enough to talk about once a month. To actually oh yeah, have a Magic the Gathering podcast if we wanted to. Hey, podcast. If the idea. people declared that they needed it, then we would maybe do that. But <laughs> maybe we, we could really do it as like a side. Pro- like I, it could be like we're a already, we're already minute barely podcast. doing this. <laughs> Maybe at the end of every episode, we could have like a <laughs> Magic the Gathering Magic fifteen the gathering, minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, now it's a forty-five minute podcast. Right. Well, I mean, if they don't want to listen to that stuff, they can just stop yeah. listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, my number two is not a perfect game by any means, but it's a good one, and I really enjoy it. And that's Too Many Bones. Hey, and if you were listening along, you probably knew that this was going <laughs> to be my number two game. If you've been listening to the podcast for the last two years, um. <laughs> It's another big spendy one. Uh, you know, you buy the base game, and it comes with four of the characters that you can play as, and I think it's like seven, maybe, of the like sort of enemies or missions that you can go on. Um, it's co-op. It's uh, you know, it plays great solitaire. It's probably the best. I said that Marvel Champions is maybe the best solitaire game, but honestly, Too Many Bones comes with an actual solitaire encounter deck in it mm. that is completely different from the multiplayer encounter deck. So, I mean, like, it is tuned specifically to be played solitaire when you play it that way, and I love it for that. And I love that all of the different gear locks have, you know, like, completely different bespoke dice that all work in very different mechanical ways. The game has this great sense of humor that I always appreciate. I'm always just kind of like, it's never laugh out loud funny, but it's definitely that, <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing there. I see that. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. And if you enjoy having that mixed in with like a very sound, very satisfying mechanical game that is, um, you know, like like I said, co-op in nature or solitaire in nature, then Too Many Bones I think is one of the best experiences you're going to have with board games. Um, it's also overproduced to the nth degree. It's got like neoprene mats for all of the different gear locks, as well as like sort of the little board that you're moving all these pieces around. Uh, Chip Theory Games is the publishing company that makes it, and all of their games are like highly produced games because they use these like weighted chips 
for all of the characters in the games, um, and you know, as well as like some of the markers and stuff like that that you use in the game just for tracking things. Um, and I, you know, like I, I wondered before I bought the game initially if it was going to be too complicated. No, I wondered if it was going to be too <laughs> overproduced, and I was going to appreciate the production. No, you know, like it's yeah. it's been the sort of thing that I've just been absolutely in love with every single part of this game um, since the day I got it, and. With the exception of, like, one or two characters that I've gotten as expansion characters that I was like, nah, this is not a home run, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, I've really loved, like, we'll say 90% of the content in the game. Um, and then there's, like, another 10% that I'm sort of like, mm, this is kind of a misfire here, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, we could go into, we could always do a second Too Many Bones cast sometimes down the road <laughs> and actually talk about the, the specifics of all that if people are interested. Because um, I did the one, I did the Too Many Bones review uh, with Scott, with, yeah. um, Scott Dak, you know, he was a guest, guest host then when we, when we, when he'd done that, cause you've not played it. I have not played um, it. But you know, if we ever get around to playing it, if we have time in my home while you're here to play it, that wouldn't be a bad thing to choose to play because it's not coming to Gen Con. It's in a <laughs> giant wooden much. box yeah. now that does not move. So. <laughs> it's like the sword in the stone. <laughs> it, yeah. It's basically, yeah, it's the game in the stone right, at this yeah. point. So, yeah. <laughs> And nobody is King Arthur in this, in this regard. You can't. Nobody's going to pull this out and, and carry it on their back, like you know, to Gen Con. Right? Yeah. Nobody's doing that. Nobody wants to. It's too much. It's just too much. Yeah, I wouldn't. If we, uh, if we have time and while we're at your house, I, I would. We seriously should yeah. try it. I, I think you'll be like, oh wow, this is really unique. Like it, it, it does not play like anything else you've played. It's very yeah. unique, and you need to play it just for that reason alone, even if you don't like it. Right. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay, uh, I believe we're on number one, right? We are. I haven't heard you mention uh, a, a certain game yet, Jason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is perhaps anticlimactic because it hasn't changed, <laughs> but, but my, my number one game is still War of the Ring. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, for some reason, <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's still there. Um, I, I don't get to play it really as often as I would really, really like to. Um, you apparently don't know how to play it unless... You spend a lot of time re-reviewing the rulebook yeah, either, because we tried. Yeah, exactly, because I don't... Uh, I, I basically have to reread the rulebook every time I play it, because I don't play it as often as I would like, but every time I do play it, I just fall in love with it again. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that, not not with War of the Rings specifically, but just that like I feel like there's a certain weight of game out there, and I think this was specifically Euros that I was thinking about it with, where, like, Castles of the Burgundy, I feel like I can jump back into it at any time because it's, like, this medium-weight mm. game. And then there's certain Euros that I think I really enjoy playing, but I have to, like, study them. Yes. Like, it's some sort of academic manual or something, like, for, like, days leading up to the point where I actually play the game. Right. Like like a like a Lacerda game, right? Yeah. And and then I'm, I'm just like, it's too much work. So I just, like, they just sit on the shelf for, like, you know, a year before I finally get to it and everything. Right, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but so then you were there in this kind of like big event. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I mean, it's a huge rule book. You have, basically have to learn the rules for like two the two different factions, yeah. um, and then you know trying to teach that to somebody else and, and all like and then there's all the setup and whatever else. I mean, it's it's certainly not an easy game to get to the table um, or to get other people to play with you. But um, you know, if if the Tolkien universe, the Tolkien verse is your thing. Um, and you like, you know, fantasy RPG war game type stuff, then you should really give this game a shot. It's, uh, it's, it's worth your time. I really wanted to, I know we tried. Well, plus TTS <laughs> wasn't helping so much. And that, that map was blurry as hell. I could not read a single thing on I it. I know. Yeah. That's, that's an overreaction. I could not read many of the things on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The render, the rendering on tabletop simulator was not great. 
It was messy. Yeah, it was. It was that not definitely not the the modality to use if you want to play this game yeah. unless you know the game really well. I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because there are lots of symbols that are like relatively small, and if they're all pixelated like that, it doesn't it doesn't well, come across very well. Your long term homework is to study up on that manual before I make it out to Boston again because <laughs> we need to play it in person. Sure. Um, it needs to be, you know, we've, we've played uh rebellion twice now, right? Like I've come out there and we've like spent it's half the day playing rebellion. Yeah. Why not just do war of the ring in place of rebellion next time? It's true. Know? Yeah. Cause that's basically what it is. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the plan will yeah, happen. Awesome. Okay. So uh, what's your number one? You know what my number one is. Everybody knows what my number one <laughs> yeah, game is. Yeah, I know is. what your number one is. Everybody knows what my number My number one game is Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Say, the best game ever made. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Uh, big surprise. Twilight Imperium is my favorite thing to do in life. <laughs> is to set up a big six-player game of Twilight Imperium on a Sunday and have a bunch of friends over and sit around that table and say hey i'm your friend and have somebody say oh i love friends and then one of you backstabs the other person halfway through the game and then you're like i don't like you anymore and now i'm going to just you know like come and take your stuff to spite you and i'm going to take us both down in the process but i stopped caring because i am so so spiteful or or you start the day by saying, I have the perfect plan. I have the perfect build order. I have the perfect tech order. I'm going to dominate. And then you actually get very far. You do very well. You're very satisfied with the way that you're planning ahead really worked. Your strategy is working because this is a game that can be very strategic. It's a game that can be very tactical. You know, like things can be very tactical from turn to turn or even, you know, like face to face. But then it can also be very strategic from like sort of a I'm going to go down this path in terms of tech sort of like, you know, mm. uh, a, a way of looking at it. Um, and I don't know, there's just so many different ways to approach this game. It does so much. It gives you the social experience that you, you dream board games could give you. It gives you, gives you the strategic and tactical experience that you dream board games could give you. And I love space. I love space <laughs> and I love sci-fi. And so all of this stuff wrapped up together means that this is the perfect game for me. Um, when we made the top 10 list in 2018, I put Twilight Imperium third edition on the list. And I put it at like, where did I put it? I put it at sixth, right? Sixth. But when I actually made the list, I put it at two. And then I moved it down because I was like, I've only played it two times. I can't possibly say that it's my favorite, my second favorite game of all time when I've only played it twice. Right. But like you and Kingdom Death Monster, I knew. <laughs> I knew how good it was. I just wasn't, I, I just didn't feel confident in saying that I knew how good it was. Right. I did know back then just how good this game was. And I had it right where it belonged. Then Twilight Imperium 4 came out, and it was an even better game, and it's better than Memoir 44. <laughs> if, if Twilight Imperium 4th Edition had been out in 2018, then it would have deserved to be at number one. And I may not have put it there because I hadn't played it enough, but that's where it belongs. <laughs> it belongs at number one. It is the best game. It is a perfect game. It's, it's, and I, it's the perfect day. <laughs> it's true. It's it so is good. a perfect day. It's a perfect day. I love it. Aww. <laughs> Kyle and Twilight Imperium sitting in a tree. Like, yeah, I know. If I was single, I would marry it. I'd find a way. <laughs> I'd find a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, surprising <laughs> no one. Your number one game is Twilight Imperium. 
<laughs> we should probably run down this list. Just it's been a long it's been a long hour. We should just I think we should run down the list both so that people can be like, now what were the what were the list the, the games on this list again? Um, but also so that I can more easily put them in the notes when we write the show notes out oh. when I, after I, I make the episode. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna go down the list. At number ten, I had Root. At number nine, I had Unmatched. At number eight, I had Marvel Champions. Number seven was the Castles of Burgundy. Number six was Gloomhaven. Number five was Kingdom Death Monster. Number four was Spirit Island. Number three was Memoir Forty Four. Number two was too many bones and number one is twilight imperium fourth edition jason what were your top 10 games of all time today (laughs) all right my number 10 was hive number nine was for sale number eight was castles of mad king ludwig uh seven was gloomhaven six was power grid five was mythic battles pantheon four was twilight imperium three cthulhu wars two magic the gathering and number one war of the ring awesome all right so there you go people those are all great games if you're interested in them thematically if you're interested in them mechanically they are well worth your time go check them out uh and until next time uh take it easy chill out uh we will be doing gen con in about a month and a half so that's something that we're very excited about um that's coming up and in between then we'll probably get an episode or two in maybe more for lucky but probably not because we haven't been very lucky lately uh (laughs) So you'll have a couple more things for you to look forward to before our big Gen Con extravaganza. My hope then is to do an episode a day, sort of like we did in 2019. Um, I think that was pretty interesting listening uh, to just kind of like get a dirty, a dirty, grimy (laughs) sort of uh, summary (laughs) of the day. I like that. I like that. I want to do that again. I like that better than our sort of like just joys of Gen Con episode that we did previous in previous years. So I think that's the, that's the tack we're going to take here. Yeah, if we can just do it on one mic, both of us just crunched behind a microphone. That's what we're going to do. So as opposed to this, uh, polished production that we have. Hey, I mean, it's not bad. You know, you listen to some of these other podcasts out there and they're kind of hard to listen to sometimes. So I mm. think we do all right for, uh, a non, you know, like this isn't professional, right? We're amateurs, but Very. I think we do all right. <laughs> Pat ourselves right. on the back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Jason, if people would like to get a hold of us and start giving us ideas for something they'd like for us to talk about or look at at Gen Con, how would they do so? All right. For your Gen Con wishes, you can uh, email us. It's LPT. No, what is it? No, it's podcast. Sorry. <laughs> it's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. Uh, you can yeah. go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. See, just like the War of the Ring, we just haven't been doing it often enough. I know. We've got to reference the manual, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to be it for today. Thanks for listening. We will see you. Well, we won't see you. uh, But you can hear us again in probably about two weeks. Later. Bye. Bye.